now, it's time for... No, I don't live in my parents' basement. A show that covers comics, movies, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Here's your host, B.J. Kennard and Adam Dellinger. Hi, welcome to another edition of No, I Do Not Live in My Parents' Basement. I am B.J. Kennard. I'm Adam Dellinger. A lot of stuff to cover off on today, uh, namely the uh, number one movie in America and the world. Uh, we're also going to get into uh, another movie news uh, from the other side of the superhero universe, uh, DC. Uh, and then we'll do our Power Five, which we're going to rank the top five. Are we doing top five superhero movies of all time, or are we doing Marvel? Uh, it's hero movies. Hero movies. Let's right. not narrow the scope. I have to, I have to readjust mine, because I was, I was solely thinking Marvel But by the end of this. Well, knowing BJ, that only means that you've got to like add one DC movie. Uh, not necessarily. We shall see. Uh, but I do want to start with, uh, I went and saw Captain Marvel. Because I always feel, one, I love to see them. I anticipate these movies so much that I, I am almost giddy to go see them. So I always try to do it opening weekend. And I know, I don't know how many other theaters work this way, but one of our theaters here, you can buy tickets a couple of weeks in advance if you want. You get to pick out your seats when you do that. And you're all set. You just go to the little kiosk when you get there, swipe your card, they print your tickets. You don't have to talk to anybody if you don't want to. And you've already got your seats. And you have a recliner. And you have a recliner. I don't recline, though. I will stick the feet up, but I don't go tilting back. Okay. Not that I feel like I'm going to go to sleep. I'm, I'm vertically challenged. So the more it reclines the more I might clip the bottom of the screen with my vision. Now, before now I understand that, and plus, you don't want people to... You're not going to cut anybody's vision off either. Oh, I, well, in these, it's, you can't. Like, you're... Stadium seating. It's, but it's like massive stadium seating right. in this place. The, the, the capacity of the theater I was in was 70 seats. Well, I know the theater that you saw. Another thing that they do with those reserve tickets and with those special chairs that they have, the walkway is wide yeah that's super wide so can i ask you a couple of theater specific questions before you get into the actual movie? did i buy out the 70 tickets so it was quiet in there <laughs> yes <laughs> no i wanted to know how many people were there uh you know funny enough i don't know um did it look sold out it wasn't sold out but i went to the 10 10 on, oh. on a on a saturday morning and so it was I'd say three quarters full, if not more. But really, once I got to my seat, I, so to give you perspective, when I got there a little early, I'm all the way at the top, very center. Okay. And I can't see below the wall in front of me. So I don't even see when people come in. But just based upon the noise and whatever, I'd say three fourths or more. Another question I have, not specific to the movie itself, Captain Marvel, we're talking about, of course. Were there any trailers that you saw that you hadn't seen yet or any extended trailers? Sometimes you'll get that theatrical stuff before we get it online. Well, because I try to pay attention ahead of time. They had Shazam that they just released like a week ago. Right. And I'm telling you, that is looking better and better. And my son is in. He's all in on Shazam. So I know I'm going to see that. It might just be me and him. They also just showed the new Dark Phoenix trailer that they just released uh, like a week or so ago, okay. too. Uh, so that was one... Um, you know, beyond uh, I'd already seen the trailer for that new Charlize Theron, Seth Rogen movie. Yep. I don't even know what it's called. Me either. I can't remember. But it looks amusing enough. And I will not go see a movie like that in the theater. My theater rule is I want to see something that will look better and sound better than it will in my own house. Like, if you give me any... One, I'm not going to watch a drama. But if... Or any... Like, a comedy, not going to see that in the theater. I'm with you. Horror, I'll do if it's a... Uh, you know, a thriller, suspense yep. movie or something, because then you get the jump scares sure. type stuff. And um, 
Especially action movies. Absolutely. It's yeah. I want the booms, but I don't need it to be too loud. Uh, and we did also did we did Captain Marvel in 3D, which was uh, pretty spectacular. Okay, and that IMAX 3D back home. We don't have an IMAX 3D where we live, but if we, we well we do. We've got the we've got the the big D theater. I thought they shut that down. Maybe they did. They did. They closed it last oh, okay. year. Okay. Well, well. So, so I never went. So to the movie though. Yeah, I will tell you the 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 most, and you might have seen stuff on the internet already about this. The first part of the movie is such a like a feel good that you're almost set up to enjoy whatever's happening next. And the very first thing that happens is they show the Marvel intro. You know, they show the M and the M has got like a super, maybe it's Captain America. And then they show the A and the A is filled with the Hulk, whatever it happens to be. And they go through all of Marvel and it's like this kind of look through Marvel cinema. Instead, they replaced it with Stan Lee. And they showed everything that Stan has ever done as they're rolling right through this. That's awesome. And when you see it, part of you is almost like, oh, I think I'm going to get a little weepy-eyed. You know, it's sensitive, and and, and I didn't expect it. And so that was very uh, thoughtful of Marvel uh, because uh, my man has been in every single Marvel movie, even the bad ones. Heck, he even made an appearance in uh, the gosh darn Teen Titans animated movie from like a year ago. Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, also in that as what well. Is he was a clerk or something in that one, right? Wasn't he a store clerk? I think so. Yeah. And he does have an appearance in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I was thinking when I saw that, oh, well, maybe he's not going to be in this. He does, and it's a really good cameo. I don't want to ruin that. The Internet's got some things on that, but I'd rather wait and let someone, you know, hear it for the first time. Uh, it and so as as it's starting to come on, that Marvel thing happens, I really do start to get like just giddy with anticipation because I know that I'm about to see something very cool. Even if I'd never seen a trailer for this, if I just knew it was a Marvel movie, I know it's going to be good because that's just what they do. And that's the feeling that I got. And this movie starts and finishes without you realizing how much time has passed. And I love movies that do that. Okay. It flows so well that even the lulls are not lulls. You're never sitting there going, oh, I wish they'd move this thing along. Infinity War did the best job of any movie that I've ever seen at doing that time flow deal you're talking about where, what's the runtime on that? I'm going to say 215. Uh, no, Infinity War? More than that. Is it close to three? Because this, I think, was 208. See, I didn't feel like Infinity War. Like I, You feel like you sit there for 90 minutes and then you're back in the parking lot again. It, it, that's what you're speaking to here right uh, absolutely and this one i'm doing runtime now because i'm curious oh infinity war two hours and 40 minutes okay see so that was uh, basically a half hour sawed off i didn't even notice yeah i mean yeah so infinity war uh, or i think marvel does a great job of that uh this does take liberties now i think i'm with most people i don't know everything there is to know about captain marvel right and and how she came about, I knew there was Marvel, the male uh, Captain Marvel, uh, at first, and then somewhere in there was an accident. Something happened, and she was able to, uh, you know, get her powers from him through some sort of an explosion, like whatever it was. And then she became Captain Marvel and did her thing. Eventually, Rogue uh, ended up touching her and absorbing some, absorbing some of her powers. That's why Rogue's a badass now, and whatever it is. And then I know that Captain Marvel has been you know, popular over the last little while here. I have some books, but I, I'm kind of glad that I don't know enough to go in there and go, oh, they changed this or they changed that. Right. I will say, 
and I'm not going to give this away, there is a pretty major change, significant change, to the Marvel mythos of something that happens in this movie. I don't want to get any more specific than that. It's big enough that it changes some of the hypotheticals that comic book people will, will sit around and talk about, about future movies. You know, sometimes you'd sit around and go, hey, you know, you know, it'd be cool, man, if, if, if they did the Mandarin for real and let the Mandarin go in there and not be, um, you know, a fake Mandarin. Let it be the real one with the tin rings and blah, blah, blah. You know, you kind of hypothesize about what would be a good Marvel movie. Right. Something that's been hypothesized as a cool Marvel movie now cannot happen because of something that happens in this movie. So we need to earmark this. And then, like... Two or three weeks, when it's safe to talk a little bit more about movies, maybe readdress this. Yeah, we're spoiler-free. Yeah. And and, and that's fair, because yeah. we're right on the cusp here. No, who knows when you're listening to this, but... True that. You know, but we're coming right out of opening weekend. Yeah. Now, I've read some things, okay. and I've avoided spoilers, too. Mm-hmm. But with Captain Marvel, and you just alluded to it earlier like i'm not really that familiar with captain marvel either yeah. it's kind of always been my understanding and don't take this the wrong way like if you're like a super captain marvel fan or whatever captain marvel has always appeared to me as like a booster gold type character that's been around forever but like incredibly underutilized now i understand that captain marvel has powers yeah and that booster gold is it's funny because as soon as you say booster gold i'm like ah, poor man superhero right and i feel like captain marvel's the same way it doesn't have anything to do with powers doesn't have anything to do with origin story it has more to do with utilization yeah right and like where you have shown up in the comics yeah where you've shown up in the animated stuff and i feel like Captain Marvel's a character, like, if you listen to the podcast last week, we mentioned Dr. Fate, that made my Power Five, Mm -hmm. underutilized character. So it's nice that we're getting some of that. But I've read that uh, Captain Marvel ties a lot of loose ends together with prior Marvel movies also. Like, there's some illusion-type stuff there. They show you some things. Uh, You know, we we get to see, because this takes place in 1995, and they almost to a fault make sure that you know that almost at all times so they go ultra 90s they do like she's rocking a nine inch nails t-shirt for for part of the movie and you know the you know if there's an outside scene of a building on that building is just caked with posters of concerts there's like a bush concert coming to town (laughs) and you know something you know things like that so like i mean she falls through the roof of a blockbuster video you almost can't get more on the nose than that yeah i I, so i get what they're doing pretty cool that they're using that mid-90s timeline though because that affords them creative liberty to be able to do a lot of things yeah and 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 musically they're you know they they put some stuff in there that that is cool and some stuff you know just the other day here uh you know outside of the podcast we were kicking through some old 90s alternative songs which i'm very familiar with that's where i've spent most of my radio career and some stuff that i not that i would deem unfamiliar but maybe for someone who's just the casual fan there's a couple of tunes that i would i would think they would know but maybe they wouldn't know at least one or two of songs like that get used in this movie uh, like uh, uh, like Elastica with one of their songs gets used in this movie. Like, oh, cool, because it fits. Well, I, I wanted to mention, too, if we could sidetrack momentarily. Yeah. They started with Guardians of the Galaxy. 
soundtracks yeah the soundtrack stuff and it's like they've learned something from martin scorsese or they've learned something from i don't know fill in the blank right yeah oliver stone uses a lot of music and stuff too but after guardians because it was 10 cc right and all that kind of 70s -hmm. almost like b-side hits if that even makes sense it was all stuff that star lord's mom liked right and if we uh, follow the timeline the movies they've made into the Spider-Verse had a sick soundtrack. Yeah. I think they're using music in their movies now, which is really cool because superhero movies have never done that before. Yeah, and, and they you can make them another character if, right. you, if you do them correctly. Right. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I will say, uh, you know, the, the basis of the movie is, you know, she is, as far as she knows, she's a Kree warrior who just can't remember anything from the past uh, from six years ago, essentially. Right. You know, and, and we know as the the moviegoer going in, well, she's from Earth. And clearly there's some sort of a gap in there. Something happened and we'll, we'll figure that out. I mean, they show you all that in the, in the trailers anyway. Uh, there is one moment in the movie where you know, once she made it to Earth and this doesn't ruin anything, uh, she steals a motorcycle and she rides off on the motorcycle. Part of me as a as a licensed motorcycle driver I know you can't just go get on a motorcycle and make it go forward. You'll never figure the clutch out. You never. You're <laughs> going to go like five feet, and then you're, that's going to be the end of it. So I'm like, really? Like, you couldn't have just have her hop into a car? I mean, maybe you wanted the the, the, the the shot of her on the motorcycle looking like a badass? I don't know. No but, automatic transition transmission motorcycles in the mid-90s. None. Yeah, none. It'd be a giant scooter. Yeah. Like, if she would have stolen a moped, you know, that actually would have had a little bit of funniness to it. If she threw on, like, a badass leather jacket, <laughs> right. a nine-inch nails t-shirt, and some flannel uh, tied around her waist and got on a moped and then just skirted off. Actually, I feel like that might have been a little bit better. Instead of going, where did she learn how to ride a motorcycle? Well, it's funny you mentioned comedy because the first thing that you told me this morning yeah. uh, at our day jobs were that some of the comedy, or was it some of the comedy was a little forced? It did feel forced. And I and I get that there's always been a little bit of humor in every one of these. You know, even from Tony Stark starting it off uh, 10 years ago and, uh, and then the, the ones in between. But really the ones lately... Guardians really stepped it up, and you got to laugh at these movies, in, in, and it made sense. Right. And then Thor Ragnarok, you get to laugh. And there's a couple of moments in there where I'm like, meh, a little potty humor, uh, which is okay. Like the, the cheap shot, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the, the low-hanging fruit type of jokes. Uh, and then, you know, Guardians 2 was also funny. Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming. Or they did a little bit of the low-hanging fruit, too, but for some reason it works because they're teenagers. I think so. Yeah. And so I think you expect to laugh. Now you've got, really, I feel like this is one of the smallest casts since they've expanded the the Marvel Universe. Uh, Because before you had, if you did Iron Man, you've got Tony Stark, you've got uh, John Favreau's character. uh, Why am I blanking on what his name is? Um, Oh, Stark Industries. Um... Yeah, he's got a nickname, and it's I feel like starts with an H. I'm going to kick myself uh, here in a little bit. I'll have to go, maybe you can Google it for me. And you've got Pepper Potts, and then you've got Stain uh, as the bad guy. And that's really the four people you've got in that movie with a few people coming in and out. And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger as everything has gone by. Thor had about four or five characters in it. This is her. You've got her crew from, from Kree, and then you've got Sam Jackson. And that's about what you're rolling through. Happy. Isn't that his name? Happy, Happy Hogan. It is at Stark Industries. Yes. I, let me go back to, because you're 
rolling right into Nick Fury on this thing. Yep. I hear that he is significant. He is. What's great about this is it's not the Nick Fury we know. Right. At all. Not like, even close. It's a whole different character altogether. Yeah, not even close. I mean, it, this this ranks in with the most screen time Nick Fury has had. I would venture to say this may be, if you took all the Nick Fury scenes and combined them together, this might top how much you've seen Nick Fury. And it, this is a lighthearted, S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield exists, and it's 1995. And what's cool about this, if I'm not mistaken, I saw this somewhere I'm pretty sure that the Sam Jackson that we are seeing on screen is the Sam Jackson from The Negotiator with Kevin Spacey. If you look, and they did a side-by-side. He was doing, I think it was on Kimmel, and they have a picture of Sam Jackson from then, which was in 1995. And then the Sam Jackson in the movie, they look identical. We're talking, you know, not far off from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I mean, not too far off from Jules. And, and, and you don't doubt any of it. It doesn't look fake at all. Not one moment do you not believe that's Sam Jackson from over 20 years You're ago. You're saying they've done CGI work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, don't think you can, I don't think you can make him look that way without it. If not, then their, their makeup person should go ahead and take the Oscar right now. How old is Sam Jackson? 55? In real life? Yeah. No, Sam's got to be in his 60s. Is he 60 years old? Got to be. I'll go there. Yeah, yeah, Google that. Uh, and so he looks just like the dude from The Negotiator, and he is a fun, lighthearted Nick Fury, and everyone just calls him Fury. That's the way it rolls in this one. Sam Jackson's uh, 78. How old is he? <laughs> Sam Jackson is 70 years old. Wow, good for him. Man, I was 55. Yeah. Man, he had to be. That's how old he was in this movie. <laughs> right. He had to be 40, nearly 40, in Pulp Fiction. Well, yeah, yeah, that would have been 96, 95, 96. Holy right? smokes, man. Yeah, he, he's a guy who, you know, everyone wants to break into Hollywood and, and be there early and, and break out early. Some people just break out late. I mean, Sam had some stuff, but really, I, I think Pulp Fiction's what put him on the map. Google Bob Seger, music equivalent. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, I know how old Bob Seger is. Yeah. 107. Well, he didn't make it until he was like 40. It's that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Sam's done a crap ton of movies since then. So he's tons of fun in this. We do get to see Agent Coulson. And Coulson plays a role, but it's not, you know, pivotal in any sense. But it was nice to have him back in the fold uh, because in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we haven't seen him since the Avengers because my man is dead. Right. We've had him in the TV show, but they don't necessarily let those two things intersect much. They let the movies come to the show. They don't let the show go to the movie. So it was kind of nice to have him around. You can tell that Brie Larson and Sam Jackson have a really great chemistry about them. They've done, at this point, they've done two films together. I think uh, Avengers uh, Endgame marks the third, because she has said we've done three films, but I think it's Kong Skull Island for one. Oh, okay. This one for number two. And then I'm assuming, because we know she's an endgame, we know Nick Fury will be an endgame as well. That might mark three. Because uh, also Loki is in um, Kong Skull Island. I forgot about with that. With both of them. And John C. Riley is in Kong Skull Island, who is in Guardians of the Galaxy. So you've got a, a little four-person uh, trifecta there. I might even be missing somebody. Let me ask you a question pertaining directly to the superhero. Okay. If I can. And obviously, we're staying spoiler-free. Yep. For somebody, Oh, she dies. Sorry. Oh, um, thanks. Yeah. So, for somebody that, that doesn't know anything about Captain Marvel, yep. 
Where do her power powers rank? Like, where would you put her ability? Uh, well, I guess it depends on the scale. She will be the most powerful. Well, now the movie's out. She's the most powerful person in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hero-wise. Now, I'm not saying she could stand toe-to-toe and let the Hulk punch her in the face as hard as he can. But she'd be able to take that pretty well. But when it just comes to sheer power, she's got it. So she can rival Thanos with the stones that he has now. I th- well, th- yes, considering that the heroes that are already there rivaled him in combo. In concert, they almost defeated Thanos if it wasn't for Star-Lord. So she has the strength of the concert band yeah. that you just said. Yeah, I think she'll, she will significantly be able to throw down. But we don't know what's going to happen. So, so the way the movie worked out, I, we drove separate. My wife ended up running some errands and we were done. My daughter had something else going on. So it was me, my son, and my, and my wife. And, you know, my, daughter, my son is 11. And when we were done, it was just me and my son, Danger. And when we were done, now we started talking about what's next. What's up with, you know, because we know the Avengers Endgame is going to be time travel and all this stuff. What's going to be happening here? So we started going super deep on, will they even have to battle an Infinity Gauntlet holding Thanos in the upcoming movie? Because in his world, in his timeline, he has won. He has snapped and half of the, uh, the half of the known beings in existence are gone now he's retired to a farm. The Avengers in the same timeline that are still alive will go back in time to collect the times. This is as far as it's been theorized as to what the plot is. We'll go back in time to get the stones before Thanos gets his hands on them. They're going to go to the Battle of New York with the Chitari. With that one, they get the Tesseract and they get the Mind Stone. So that's two right there out of the gate. So they've got those. And then they'll go to various places. Once they do that, that timeline, they now have the stones. Thanos, in his timeline, he's got the stones. They never got them. That's its own timeline. So I think ultimately, in Thanos' world, he has succeeded and he'll never know anything different because that's the timeline that he's in. The moment you go back in time and change something, you're creating a different timeline. Yeah, sure. He's Michael J. Fox getting fired from his job with uh, needles there. Yeah, Play. but but even uh, even with Back to the Future, the things that he changed affected his current timeline. It, it affected his life and those people there. Well, I guess no. It, I guess it didn't. Like his no, his dad was always successful, yeah. uh, but it, but in the old timeline, he would have his dad would have been a failure no matter what. So because, you're saying that they're going to spin off an entirely. Like a, an alternate universe altogether. I'm just saying, if when you get into time travel movies, then this is the stuff that you have to either figure out how do you want to do it. And, and the reason why you can think this way is Russian Doll on Netflix right now. They did... Did you see the whole thing yet? Not the whole thing. I'm halfway through. So what they do a great job of is she makes a, a point in this... The, the TV show is like, uh, for those that don't know, it is like Groundhog Day, except set in New York with a, with a hipster, uh, you know, kind of going through her life. She mentions at one point that she died in front of, the, of somebody she cares about. And 
when she woke back up or, or, you know, started her life over again in this groundhog scenario, she was kind of sad at the fact that that person now in that timeline will live the rest of her life with her being dead. Now she will be grieving and she will be sad because her daughter person is dead. The scenario that you're creating, though, can't work in the Marvel movie because the whole plot of Russian Doll is that there are infinite timelines. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. You can do it that way, or you can butterfly affect it. Thanos is sitting there in his cornfield or whatever he's growing in his maze, and he looks over to the right, glances at his infinity broken gauntlet, you know, the rocks or the stones are still in there, and all of a sudden, one of them fades away. Now that's the Marty McFly. And then that, but that's what I think is what is going to happen the way Marvel will do it. I think instead of making it too crazy and too broad, though I will tell you, if you're not, if you haven't checked out all of Russian Doll, uh, go watch all of it because they really do a great job of making you understand how time can work and how the various realities of time are set. Because it's bananas if you want to just get into the different scenarios. Yeah, but I think the first scenario that you presented, there is a hole. And that's the fact that you're sending people from Thanos' timeline back in time to correct something that happens in the future. Now, if they don't stay in that timeline that they go back to, if they try to come back to the present, it without a doubt affects Thanos' timeline. Without a doubt. If they come back to their timeline, it If does. they come back. Yes. Now, you're, the theory that you're presenting is that they go back alter where the stones are and stay in that timeline well that's i'm saying you can do that i don't think marvel will do that i think there's a reason why marty mcfly the picture was fading and then the picture came back and there's a reason why his dad was successful and all that stuff because it's easy for the viewer to understand it's easy to go oh well they grabbed that stone back there and it disappeared from the gauntlet where thanos was now thanos is pissed and he's about to come figure out what's happening to his stones and he's going to start time traveling himself and whatever happens well for people that read comic books like you and i yeah i don't mind that scenario but we oftentimes forget that you know the ultimate goal for marvel and disney and is this money is money yeah you can't make money unless it makes sense. Yeah. And Marvel does a great job of that. I mean, look at, well, heck, look at Ant-Man. Look at Guardians of the Galaxy. You've got a talking raccoon and a talking tree who says, I am Groot. So it says three words. And then a dude who's so literal and with his comedy, which is Drax and all this. And, and none of that should make sense. Why would you make that movie? And they took it and it is a phenomenally fun movie. So they, they, they totally went on that. This is much easier to grasp. This is just you've got a chick who's superpowered and she's trying to save the world. The end. It's 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 a superpowered James Bond. How is Brie Larson? Brie's great. Uh, but she's part of the forced like moments that we need to be cute here. Let's be cute. Can I present another issue sure. that I have with the film? We're wrapping up a very long story, right? Like when we get the next Avengers movie, we're yeah. wrapping something up that's got a serious legacy. Yes. And that uh, many other superhero movies are going to have to live up to that legacy. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that they've introduced an all-powerful character, somebody that's new, that hasn't been around, 
that's going to come flying in before the final movie's made. And that's just a personal criticism that I have. Well, there have been some things out there as to where has Captain Marvel been this whole time? Because if the, and this doesn't spoil anything, in the Avengers Infinity War, in one of the end credit things, you see him, Nick Fury, with his pager, press a button, and then you see the Captain Marvel logo, and then it, you know, fades to black, the, the scene does, or whatever. So you know that a signal has been sent to Captain Marvel via a pager. It's all the internet's talking about. Yeah, so now we see, like, when he actually gets that pager. And, you know, and she's like, you know, hit me up for emergencies. And, or hit me up for an emergency, or a big emergency, whatever it happens to be. So, like, well, where has she been? And so Kevin Feige had to come out and say, hey, look, let me tell you this. Who's to say he hasn't pressed the button before? And she didn't, and she wasn't available. Right? I'm busy saving this other world over here. I can't make it. Maybe after the battle in New York, maybe she popped in and was like, what can I help you with? Oh, uh, you know what? My boys took care of it and they did a great job. But you want some coffee? Next time. And maybe she left again. We don't know that. Don't like that theory either. You mean to tell me that the Guardians of the Galaxy never ran across this person one time, right? Well, we don't know. Maybe she did. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're going to write this character in and it just kind of seems... Well, it just seems unbalanced. Well, she could exist. I mean, the universes are so big. Yeah, but they were doing that again, though. We're creating all of these universes, and that hasn't been established in the movies yet. Well, we know that the you know we know that they're in the stars, like Guardians of the Galaxy, for instance. They go to various places, and we've also learned via Thor that and and the tree that there are these other worlds. And Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange as well. So we know it's all out there. And maybe the Guardians of the Galaxy are very familiar with Captain Marvel, but maybe they're not friends. Maybe they just know of her. And so when the going gets tough, they don't call anybody. Because if you, if, if you think about how fast all this, that in Avengers Infinity War took place, from the moment the Guardians get involved, which is rescuing Thor and then going about their business, Thor and Rocket are doing their own thing with Groot, and then they get mixed up very quickly in the battle with, on, on Titan, they get found out with, or found with Iron Man right, and, right, right, and all right. that. And then where's the time to call anything? They, they formulate a plan right there. Who knows if they even think about calling, oh, my good friend Carol. Well, maybe this is part of my problem, too. And once again, it's a personal criticism. But we've still written a movie in which we believe that this all-powerful, brand-new hero is mm-hmm. going to play a vital, vital role in whatever we're hoping is going to happen or whatever happens. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't make the movie. You don't make it in like it does. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, she is going to play a significant role probably in the final Avengers film. To me, it slightly discredits a lot of the other heroes that have been in the game for well, a decade. If but well not it depends. If you look at the end of Avengers Infinity War, you OP'd Thor, right? You overpowered Thor. You gave him Stormbringer, that is this now, you know, weapon of, of the kings, yep. which is great. That exists. I yep. mean, Odin has his staff or whatever that thing is. And uh, 
he comes in and he saves the day. He's able to probably kill Thanos. If Thanos doesn't, one, if he did go for the head or any of that, Thanos is dead. And Thor did that really without even trying very hard in that moment. Did he have to, you know, almost kill himself to get that thing made? Yes. But he came in and OP'd that whole entire scene there and took care of business. If you allow that, you have to allow Captain Marvel because we don't know what part of it she's going to play. My point is, is that the Thor thing is, is it makes more sense with the timeline of the movies because we've watched Thor once again for a decade. Mm -hmm. It is a character that you are familiar with as a general audience. And it just makes more sense from a theatrical standpoint. Yeah. This happens in comic books all the time. Like, how many comic books have you read and they're going to... DC, Marvel, whoever, they're going to introduce a new character almost every time. The Action Comics 1000. Mm -hmm. This is a great example, right? What do we get in Action Comics 1000? Rogals are. Right. An overpowered OP beast monster that is just here to ruin Superman's day. Yeah. You'll get that with new characters. And that's okay in the comic book world because that's issue 1000. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's true. So yeah. it's time to get some new stuff. Yeah. But in a series of movies like this, I just don't know how it's going to work. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm not going to like it. Yeah. Because I will, man. It, I'll like the Avengers movie, but it just seems odd to me. Yeah, because, you know, with Invin uh, Infinity War... I was surprised that the Avengers were able to dispatch the Black Order not as easily as they did, but as easily as they did. And that is, uh, you know, the Corvus Glaive and, and Proxima Midnight and, and the children of Thanos uh, for, the, for the movie. Uh, typically, those are some badasses that, one, they're, well, they did end up being killed at one point, uh, but it's not something so easily done. But they had to, I think, kind of humanize it a little bit and maybe even prop up the Avengers to make it seem reasonable they could take on Thanos. Because in the comics, you've got Adam Warlock and you've got all kinds of people that get to help. The whole Marvel Universe comes together, Silver Surfer, characters we don't have access to right now to take out Thanos. So to do that, you could look at Captain Marvel as our Adam Warlock. You could look at Captain Marvel as maybe our Silver Surfer in this scenario to where you need someone that can take care of business, but also other people can too. I think Thor's going to have a role in the upcoming movie. Not Thor, uh, Hulk pretty well too. Well, yeah, because of what they did to Hulk in the last film. Mm -hmm. but check this out. So right now we're going into March Madness and mm -hmm. we're going to get a basketball tournament uh, like a week from yesterday. A popular thing going around right now on all the sports talk shows is, who do you got, Duke or the field? And we hear this in football, too. The Patriots or the field? Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Now, if you assembled all the Avengers that are left, mm -hmm. and I'm counting uh, even people that aren't typically Avengers, okay. so all the heroes that are left, and you tell me, hey, Thanos or the field? A thousand times I'm taking the field. Every single time. Okay. Back to the Captain Marvel thing. All of a sudden, we have Captain Marvel, and the field is is overpowered. Now it's stacked. Right. Yeah. I don't understand that. Well. Did okay. Here's a here's the question. Okay. Because all I did was make a blanket statement. Sure. I'm complaining a lot. Did you think after watching the film, did did that character prove to you that she can turn the tide of that that battle? Yes. And it was believable. Oh, yes. And you liked it. I did. Yeah. Now, you know what, man? You're a good source. So yeah. I'll just, you know. I really did. They did I'll a, yield to you. They did a great job of explaining what was going on 
how it's going on. And when she gets to be her, you know, like when, you know, because the first part we're trying to figure out what's going on with this movie. And then and then she uh, as she's becoming Captain Marvel. And when you get to see it full fledged. It's one of those like going, yeah, you know, like you're you're grinning on the inside and you're 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 like you're doing a little fist pump as, as something awesome happens. You're explaining Superman. Yeah, well, uh, this is uh, this is a blonde Superman with boobs. Oh. That's your Captain Marvel. Yeah, you know what? I with, change everything with a photon blast. <laughs> right, I'm in. But I, you liked the movie. I did. Yeah, yeah. O- overall, like, uh, you know, since my daughter didn't see it, she she does want to see it. Like, I would easily go back and see it with her again. And the the forced moments that I'm talking about where they, it seems like they're trying to be funny for the sake of being funny uh, isn't nearly enough to alter the opinion of the movie itself. I would watch it again, and I would watch it again. I will tell you, though, I was really surprised at who became my favorite character in this movie, and I can't tell you who it is. Uh, later on, when we get to go revisit this again, uh, but when you, I think when people see it, there's one character that I thought had fantastic lines, was a surprising character, and uh, I, I was happy with the character in the end of it. That's all I'm going to say about it. Well, that. that's exciting, and maybe too, we'll give a pass to some of the forced laughter. I thought about this as you were telling me this morning that some of the jokes felt forced and kind mm-hmm. of cheeky. Yeah. Maybe because it's Marvel's first feature female superhero film mm-hmm. that they thought they might be drawing a young female audience. And when I say young, I'm talking about your daughter's age. Sure. I'm not saying, you know, 22 or 23 years old. And maybe some of that comedy is in place to make the movie more appealing to a younger audience. Too. Maybe. And I... And I don't know if you've read some of the reviews that kind of, that that came out a little early, like some of those early critic ones. And I did find that de- depending on who wrote the article, and, I, and I'm not saying this to be sexist, but there were some women reviewers of this who were very literal with what they saw on there and put a feminist spin on it as to and and you've you you've seen what I'm about to say a little bit if you've watched the trailers there's a part where Jude Law is training with Captain Marvel with Brie Larson's character and he mentions that emotion is the like a warrior's weakness or something like that uh, what they what he's essentially saying is you know humans are a little bit more emotional than maybe the Cree are when it gets to that. Emotion can take take you out of a fight. Uh, he even mentions anger somewhere in there as well. And a couple of the reviews that I saw or the write-ups was like, he's saying that women are too emotional. I'm like going, oh, dear Lord. No, he's not saying that. You're watching that movie with different eyes. I went in as a fan and a dude. Well, it's what you look for, and anytime you see... You know, you don't draw those lines. Yeah, if you're looking for those things, you're gonna like if you if you like to fight, you're always looking for a fight. If you don't, guess what? You don't find you don't find fights. Uh, BJ uh, is a man, of course. I am. And and BJ, uh, you also may not know this, but BJ is also a black belt. I am. And BJ is studied in uh, several different martial arts. Yeah. And you would 100% 
say without a shadow of a doubt, I bet, that emotion can hamper you in a fight. Oh, no doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, See, without so a doubt. that's not sexist at all. Yeah, and so I kind of, I, I happened to, I read part of that review and stopped because I was like going, I don't think this review is for me. Right. But when I went to go see it, and I'm like, oh, here comes that scene. Let me see. And then I was like, oh, it didn't play out that way. So I would just encourage anyone who goes to go, who, who, who one, if, if you've seen it, you might know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't seen it, you go in just knowing that I felt like this movie was for everyone. And is there a lot of women empowerment in this? Absolutely. And guess what? There should be. Yeah, that's okay. And, yeah. yeah, and that's fantastic that's awesome. because, uh, you know, Brie Larson's the main character. Her uh, best friend in this movie is also a, a super strong female character uh, and as a mother and a single mother and, and an Air Force pilot. And, and so she's a great character in there as well. And I thought it had something for everyone. I absolutely would see it again. And I think it does go to show how drastically different Marvel makes their movies from DC. DC would have ruined this thing from the opening scene of the movie, and it never would have recovered. We would have had, guess what? They already did. It was called Green Lantern. That's right. Which I apologize, coming up in a little while, that's probably going to be number one on your list of (laughs) all-time greatest comic book movies, and I apologize in advance for that. Uh, But I think that uh, they might... It seems... Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask if you take Sammy to see this movie, Mm -hmm. you mind if I tag along? Oh, no, heck yeah, man. Yeah, so maybe this week, one afternoon, we'll cut out because I need to see it this week, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I look forward to seeing it again. And and I really feel like now, the next time that I see it, I feel like it's going to move even faster than the time that I just saw it two days ago. I saw Infinity War twice, and it certainly did that. Yeah. I love that movie. Me too. And I stand behind when that when the when Endgame comes out in uh, the end of next month. When you take the three almost three hours of the first one and the three plus hours of the second one and combine it, I think it'll be the six best hours of cinema ever. Ever. Wow, that's a whole podcast. I know. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. And I did mention uh, Avengers Infinity uh, or Endgame. They officially wrapped last week. Not not the filming. It's done. Yep. Edited. In the can. Will not be changed. The Russos are done. They're breathing a sigh of relief. And this, I think this means that now the, the reviews will start to sneak out a little bit. They'll start to test it in a few places. They'll show it to a couple of people. Like a Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that Kevin will be able to go see it that early, but then I feel like Kevin might, like a week before the movie comes out or two, going, oh, yeah, no, I got to go see it. And uh, I had to change my pants five times during the movie. I feel like these are going to start to come out here in the next two or three weeks just to get us a little bit more excited. Oh, right? yeah, we're going to get Robert Downey Jr. on every late-night show there is <sighs> not saying anything. Yeah, I can't wait for this movie. I don't think I've ever been more excited about a movie coming out than this one coming up next month. And before that, it was probably Infinity War. I'd say that's fair. Maybe the Star Wars reboot. Like, I got super stoked about that. I was that. excited by that, but not like this. And then, uh, you know, part two, of course, the one that Ryan Johnson's version, I wasn't necessarily excited by that. But I am excited to see what J.J. does. Um, but we had mentioned earlier that uh, we were talking about a, the D.C. side of this as well. It was announced this week that James Gunn looks as though he's got his story in place and at least one actor in place for the uh, Suicide Squad 2 movie that he's doing. We know that it looks like, at least according to rumors or the internets, that right now it's being called El Dorado, just the production name. You know, they can call it whatever they want. Yeah, it's just a project title. Yeah, they can call it Keyboard. Yep. And then you got to read into it what you want. So it looks like, as of right now, the production title is called El Dorado. 
And some reports say that this guy is in, and some are saying that he's in final talks, which is Idris Elba to replace Will Smith as Deadshot, good or bad. That's fantastic, Collier. I feel like you stepped up there. I look, man. I'm for some reason I'm always one of these guys that sounds like he's bashing Will Smith. Like I'm not a Will Smith hater. I just can't get on the train. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. I never really have. Like I like Hitch and Fresh Prince was awesome and Men in Black's great. And, and you know, but I'm just I liked Hancock. It's a, me too. Yeah. But it's a weird role. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Deadshot thing's a weird role for him. Alba's sexiest person on the planet, yep. and he's also an accredited actor. Yeah. So you, you kind of get both. And you have another Marvel convert, because he was Heimdall That's in right. Thor, and he got killed. But not, And I don't know if these Marvel dudes or these DC dudes have contracts that say, you can go make other movies, but you cannot make other movies for other superhero franchises. Like I you, think they do have non-competes, but I think they're on a short timeline. Yeah. And so maybe Heimdall is really dead, and even if they fix the timeline and they go back in time and save people, because my man didn't get with a snap, he got stabbed. Uh, so he's, he's Audi 5000, spoiler alert. Uh, so now you've got a Marvel convert with another Marvel convert in James Gunn. And, and this, so we know Deadshot, if that's who it's going to be. This is who they're rumored for the characters. Because before we had Boomerang, uh, we had the fire dude, and I'm... Uh, I don't can't remember his name. I would have called him El Diablo. Maybe that is what his name is. You had you had Katana, and then you had Flag, who is the the guy who is running things. Yep. You, you had Killer Croc. Yep. And then you had um, who am I missing? Joker. Uh, well, no, you had Harley Quinn. Oh, Harley. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, we left out one Harley. of the biggest ones and a couple of others. Here's who they're talking about now. They're uh, besides Deadshot, Ratcatcher. Okay. And I don't know anything about Ratcatcher. Ratcatcher, throwback Batman villain. Yes, mm-hmm. he is. And so I guess he can talk to rats? Yeah, but Ratcatcher in modern years has sort of had this deal where he's almost like a... He almost has some sort of like weird Mysterio-type power, but it's not an illusion. Does that okay. make sense? It's almost like a... It's not a magic. It's a hysteria, scarecrow okay. type. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll you know what I'm that. saying? Yeah. So that's one. Uh, King Shark is another one. And okay. if you watch uh, Flash or any of those, King Shark actually just a week or so ago battled uh, Killer, uh, Gorilla Grodd. Uh, so I think that is your uh, Killer Croc character in this. So that's kind of neat. Probably be a big CGI-looking dude. So you say Killer Croc is no more. Well, according to this, probably not. And if they did, they would just recast him. Because they, if they're recasting Deadshot, you're going to recast everyone. I thought Killer Croc would be a great Batman villain. Yeah, I think in, so. In a movie. But anyways. Uh, and then uh, you've got Peacemaker. Okay. And I didn't know anything about that dude. Apparently he doesn't have any powers. Nope. And they're talking about Dave Batista maybe playing that role. Ooh. Because apparently, but as I looked up, Peacemaker, he's, uh, you know, a big dude. He's, you know, ripped and... and that's it. But Dave Batista's not happy with the fact that James Gunn is not doing Guardians 3. Yeah, he raised a big fuss on Instagram or Twitter oh, or something. He's like, yeah. I'm not doing it. And so who knows? That's just a rumor that maybe Dave plays that. And then the one that I thought was kind of the real eyebrow raise here, if I can say that and not sound like I'm drinking, is uh, Polka Dot Man. What are they trying to do with this movie? That's my question. Because I feel like you could have put some really cool characters in here that make sense and have, like, a superhero team. 
But I think James Gunn kind of prides himself on the Guardians thing, taking really weird stuff and making it work, making the raccoon work, making the tree work, making uh, Drax work and just having it be funny and, and go, oh, I get it. Because if you're telling me that Ratcatcher, Polka Dot Man, King Shark, Peacemaker and Deadshot are the new Suicide Squad. Sounds like it's a Saturday morning cartoon. Man, Ratcatcher made an appearance pretty recently, too. I don't want to say, like, Detective Comics, I don't know, 9, 80 or so. So then the last 20 issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Or it was a Batman. I can't remember. But it's just an odd group of folks. Yeah, so this is all, at this point, just speculatory. We, We don't know. As far as we know, Harley Quinn is not supposed to be in this movie because you're going to have the Harley Quinn movie that that she's shooting right now, the fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn. Uh, Amanda Waller, I imagine, will be in this movie because she kind of runs uh, the Suicide well, Squad. you can't have one without the other. Uh, if if they paid attention to the Suicide Squad over the last you know couple of years, man, General Zod was in the Suicide Squad yeah. for a second. Can you imagine if you had General Zod and now you've OP'd somebody and then Suicide Squad beats everybody? I don't think you can have uh, General Zod and Amanda Waller exist in the same movie. Like, I don't think Amanda Waller can control the Suicide so- Squad if, if Zod's there, because Zod is... Well, the fact that you could kill Zod, and you would make sure of that as some sort of a kryptonite bomb attached to their neck, if, if you're implanted just like whatever. Oh, my... you say it's the Batman has all the tricks to take yeah. out everybody. Well, because that's, I mean, that was the premise of part one is they've got the little thing in their neck. Yep. And then if you step out of line, we press the button and you die. And that's why, you know, Joker was able to uh, free Harley Quinn from hers and, and it was all good. That's what you would do with Zod. And believe, I don't think they're put, they're, there's not, there's a thousand percent chance that Zod is not going to be in this movie. I'm just saying you got a lot of people to choose from, and I'm surprised that it's Ratcatcher, Polka Dot Man, King Shark I'm actually pretty okay with, uh, Peacemaker, and then, uh, you know, Deadshot. And if it's Eatra Selba, it's pretty amazing. Well, it sounds to me a little like, you know, James Gunn is taking just whatever he wants, and he's going to try to throw it together and turn it into something, and that's cool. I get that. It worked with Guardians. Yeah. Guardians, the first comic book movie that I've ever seen that the movie characters were famous, more famous than the books. Yeah. Like, I, you know, that doesn't happen. You're doing it in reverse. And you know what would be cool is if that works for this particular movie and he does do something crazy with Suicide Squad like that, that may be the revitalization that DC needs in the comic book pages. Yeah, that would be pretty slick. And I'm also curious to see, because these movies have done so well, who can you get to play these? If you can start with Idris Elba, and as you mentioned, he's a real actor. I mean, like, he's a real, he's the real deal Holyfield. Who do you, like, who could you get for the rest of these that would be interesting? Like, no, it doesn't matter who's King Shark, because that shark, that's going to be, or King, <laughs> King Shark. <laughs> That's the character I want. His he has a different uniform every five or ten minutes because he has to change his pants. King Shark. King Shark. Yes. Hey, let me ask you this. Alba Smith, who costs more money? I bet you Will Smith still costs more money. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, Will Smith was the only. It's a $20 million film guy for a while. Yeah, I bet, I bet he made anywhere from 5 to 10 for that role. So think about this. You save money and you get a better actor. Yeah. And if you can get him on board early so that other people can see it. And you get him on a multi-picture deal as well. Right. Go but, get real people. But now the problem is he might have wanted to be Deadshot, 
but now he wants to be King Shart. <laughs> and uh, there's going to be some conflict on the set there. But what I was going to say was Bradley Cooper is Rocket Raccoon. Doesn't matter who it was, he did a great job voicing that. No one is Rocket. Though I think, I think actually James Gunn's brother was Rocket in the CGI capture, the motion capture stuff. Did you see that the raccoon died? The raccoon died. The raccoon that they modeled Rocket after oh, passed away two weeks ago. I just figured they drew one. No, they one. they like a lot of the mannerisms and oh, stuff. Yeah, really. I sorry, bring the room down, no, but I did I, see well, that. I don't know what right. the lifespan is on a raccoon, but I'm guessing not very long. I don't know. Uh, King Shark just uh, tweeted <laughs> uh, that uh, the lifespan is uh, four years for the raccoon. I don't King Shark. We may have just created a fantastic character there. The Power Five. We're doing the top five greatest superhero movies of all time. I think I went first last week. You're going to have to go first again this time. Because oh. I started my list with just Marvel movies. Now, you said I would have to make one a, you know, one change if I wanted to. Um, but I, I have a couple of changes. So since you have yours first, let, let's go ahead and do yours. All right, cool. So... And I'm actually going to put mine in order. I, I have them in reverse order, so we'll start at five. I, I said the, the fifth best comic movie that I have ever seen was the first Guardians of the Galaxy film. And that one just sort of speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, it was just so different from anything that we had seen at the time. Uh, the fourth best movie I had seen was uh, Superman, Christopher Reeve. I, I owned that movie on Blu-ray, and it was one of the worst purchases I've ever made. I got a Blu-ray player, I don't know, probably 10 years ago maybe sure, when yeah. that was a thing. And it was one of the first movies I bought. I spent 35 bucks on it because it's Superman yeah. and Christopher Reeve. The scene where the helicopter's on the roof and he goes into the phone booth. I mean, see, that's Superman, right? Yeah. The last scene where Lex is going nuts and the earth's tearing apart and all that and the boulders are falling, mm -hmm. you can see strings and prop pieces in high definition now. Okay. But at the time... Uh, it's still one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. And okay. as far as a Superman story being told, I still think it's the best. Number three, I put The Watchmen. Uh, okay. They have a special place for The Watchmen. I, I love the story. I love the fact that they're characters that were basically never used again. Mm -hmm. You know, one-off. Who would have ever thought that one-off characters... Uh, Alan Moore yeah. wrote that. Who would have ever thought that one-off characters would have ever made a great movie? Yeah. Uh, I got another Alan Moore book honorable mention, too. We'll do that uh, after this. Number two, Batman Begins. Okay. Batman Begins, for me, was the best of the Christopher Nolan trilogy. We'd never gotten all the Ra's al Ghul stuff before. We finally got it in a movie. We got to see him in the, you know, the year one. So that was really cool, too. And then uh, Infinity War was the best superhero movie that I had ever seen. Honorable mention, yeah. Batman 66. And, uh, oh, wow. Well, look, man, I know it seems goofy, but back in the day when you used to go to the video store, yeah, I've told this story on the very first podcast we ever did. My dad bought me these cassette tapes, and they read the comic to you, and you flip through the pages. Mm -hmm. And then my dad was like, hey, man, if you like that, why don't you check this out? And I'm like five years old. He rents Batman 66. We burn it off onto another tape, <laughs> and I wore the reels out in that I got you. Good for you. It was so wildly popular that... During the New 52 run, it was one of DC's best-selling comic books when mm -hmm. they turned the movie into uh, a comic book. Plus, too, we were talking about casting movies. Uh, Adam West, Burt Ward, uh, Cesar Romero, mm -hmm. Burgess Meredith. I mean, some serious yeah, actors. Vincent Price is in that. Vincent Price is also in that. And I, and I lastly, 
I mentioned Alan Moore, but V for Vendetta. Okay. I, I counted uh, that. That is solid. All right, so here's mine. Top five greatest uh, superhero films of all time. I'm putting Superman at five. I feel like it could be higher, but unfortunately it was the first. So how it was made, when it was made, is very telling in how they did it. That's what I said. It, did, it has a hell though. Yeah, and, and I do... Th- but you know what did hold up was, was Christopher Reeves as Superman. Yes, sir. Because that's the standard now. Anybody... Cause, I mean, you've seen other people play other people in movies, and it's just... They try to do their own, and sometimes maybe the second iteration is better than the first. But in this case, everyone's just trying to catch up to what he's doing or what he did. So he's number five for me on that one. For four, uh, Batman, and it's not Batman Begins. It's the one with the Joker in it. That's not the first one, right? That's Dark Knight. So Dark Knight for me is number four. Out of the, the trilogy, it's the one that I feel like I enjoyed the most for whatever reason. Uh, you know, I thought Heath. Le- Everyone thinks that Heath Ledger did the greatest Joker ever. He did a great Joker, absolutely he did. But he did a different Joker. Jack Nicholson, if he wanted to portray a Joker like that, probably could have, and maybe not had to act very much. Right. Uh, so that's the one for me for the Batman's. I didn't love the last Batman movie with Bane. I love Tom Hardy. I couldn't understand what my man was saying half of the time. Well, you can't knock that movie because when Heath Ledger died, Christopher Nolan had to change the ending I of know. the trilogy. And I, and I get it. But with it, there's still some other things that I just didn't like as much. It's a good the, the The trilogy of Batman, you could take the Pepsi Challenge against most superhero movies that have been made. And it's on par or better than. I mean, it's it's the best Marvel movie that DC's ever done. Is how I think that they would like that. Well, that's why I picked Begins. We got a legit origin story for Batman. It didn't yeah. start with him wearing a suit. I mean, we got it right out the gate, and I've always wanted that. But anyways, go ahead. Three for me is Civil War. Okay. The, and the reason being, it's the first time in a long time that I got excited to see that many people on screen. And how is this going to work? And, and the story they were able to do... You didn't necessarily leave that movie feeling great, but you still left it feeling that the movie was great, if that makes sense. You it's know, fair. Yeah, and I was excited by that. Because uh, I've got some honorable mentions that, that at the, when I first saw them, kind of gave me the same feeling, but not like this. Number two for me on this is Thor Ragnarok. It shows how much fun you can have watching a movie where the actor who played the character was thinking about not playing that character anymore. Went into that role, left it going, I would do more of these. And you got to feel it and see it on the screen. It was also probably the most colorful absolutely of all the superhero movies. And it, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, it's vivid. Jeff Goldblum, who has just become, he's his own sort of pop culture phenomenon now. He was just on uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, um, which another wildly successful podcast like ours. And uh, the whole thing is just Jeff being very irreverent and it, it tons of fun. So uh, listen to that one when you get a chance. And then number one for me is what I consider the greatest movie of all time for superheroes. Same as yours. It's hard to top Infinity War. It really is just there is it, there's so much stuff in it. It's so masterfully done. There's, I think there's a reason why there's two directors for it with both Russo brothers doing that because I don't know how one person could have done all of that and orchestrated all of that. And it's like herding cats, I have to imagine, to sit down and think about what you have to accomplish in how much time do we get? Do we get six or seven hours? Oh, no, just, I, just under three? Oh, 
And to be able to do that, I don't think it gets any better until next month. I feel like it's the same dudes, it's the same cast, with a couple of extra people that we get to throw in the mix. Ant-Man's in the next one, Captain Marvel's in the next one, we'll see what else happens beyond that, and I think it will probably be even better And then making the Infinity War saga the greatest superhero movie of all time, with, with like a combo. Like the Wonder Twins, they'll unite. My honorable mentions, go ahead. I was just going to say uh, about Infinity War, because that was number one for me too, of course. It seems like that story, in their minds, was already written Mm -hmm. when the first movie came out. And it's also the only of these superhero movies that's ever had a sequel in which you really don't get dissent from the cast. It almost seems like everybody, from even the extras, like everybody's on board for whatever it is they're trying to do. And when you got that sort of thing happening, it's magic almost every time yeah so i i cannot express how excited i am about this movie coming out as excited i am about game of thrones if not more which we'll we'll do a special game of thrones do you watch game of thrones yes sir oh good oh good it's there's been been such a lull in game of thrones people don't talk about it as much the new trailer that came out i've not seen it i don't want to see it i just want to wait for the awesomeness to happen uh here's here's my honorable mentions uh you have to mention x-men Okay. The first X-Men. Great film. James Marsden, all of that stuff, because that's like that's how you do a superhero film. It is very comic booky, and that's okay, because that's how you shot those movies. So very excited for that. Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, also on there, because, man, we got something that looks super cool. Unfortunately, you do have uh, some of the Sam Raimi-isms in that movie, and there's just some of those little things that he does that... Uh, feel forced at times or feel cheesy at times well like the x-men movie and uh i'd say spider-man one and two you could probably leave three i think well two is better than one two I think. is better than one but the ramiisms that you're talking about you also have to think real academy acclaimed filmmakers wouldn't touch a superhero film yeah. in 1999 it yeah. just wasn't going to happen but yeah. anyways go ahead so uh, number three on my list is the crow and you're rolling your eyes, and I know why you're rolling your eyes. This is a, this, if if to, I, King, King Shark. <laughs> yes, for the record, that movie may or may not have been playing uh, while something very eventful happened in my life involving a female. That's as much as I'll leave it for That's that. That's not a good movie. It, but for me, I loved that movie because I mean, you mentioned earlier in the cast. Uh, I've been practicing martial arts since I was 12 or 13 years old. Uh, I, I teach it now at, at a school where we live. And I, you, know, you had Brandon Lee in there. And I was excited that you got to see uh, Brandon Lee do some you know, cool stuff in a role I didn't think he was going to get. He was in a, a gosh darn movie with Dolph Lundgren before that, uh, where like some sort of like big takedown in Little Tokyo or some, uh, like some sort of a... Uh, Just a weird act, dome yeah, action movie. One of those types of things. And... To see him play this cool role, a role of a guy who couldn't be killed in a really dark, noir kind of film, I really took to that. And and just so happens, the girl that I was seeing at the time had not seen The Crow. And I'm like, hey, you want to watch The Crow? She saw The Crow and that night. Says, so she might have. And then um, Sin City for me. Oh, Sin City's another good one. I love Sin City. It is visually amazing. If you watch that in Blu-ray or 4K, it is just stunning. Is that... 
Is that Frank Miller? That's Frank Miller. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. And because then you got Robert Rodriguez, who did almost all of it. You have one part that Quentin Tarantino got to do. And so Quentin did one little scene. The rest of it's all Robert Rodriguez. It is also leaps and bounds better than the sequel. And just from a, a just a visual perspective, it's awesome. Uh, I thought that uh, Jessica Alba as little Nancy Kerrigan or hair or whatever her name is uh, was like cool in that role. And then the weasel, all the little like it just worked for me. I don't know another movie that looked like it or even felt like it. So that's why it's an honorable mention for me. No, no Watchmen. No, and it's not that the Watchmen isn't good. The Watchmen didn't do anything to surprise me, besides look good. It's almost shot for shot, the panels of the thing. They came to life. They did, but it still wasn't enough for me to go, is it better than these? Did I feel anything different when I was when I was done with that movie? You know, watching Sin City, it was just like, this is just, I left it going, I want to see this again. When I left watching Watchmen, I was like, oh, that's what I thought it was going to be. And so that's a cool feeling. I wasn't let down by the Watchmen, but I also wasn't like, that's like the greatest thing I've ever seen. And it could be that one, I, I'm not as giant of a Watchmen fan as everyone. I didn't discover the Watchmen until 97, I think. I don't even know when it originally came out. Uh, because my, 86 or something. Yeah, it's that old. My buddy Chris. And you know, he, uh, he was into some comics as I was into comics, and he's like, "If you checked out the Watchmen, I'm like, no, I'd never even heard of it." And then when I saw the button, I was like, "Oh, I know what that I know what that is," but I didn't know what it was. And so that was my first introduction to it. So I wasn't a part of when it first came out or really felt what it was. It already existed, and other comics had changed to fit that a little bit more. When I started to collect, I started collecting comics in '85. '86 is uh, Watchmen too, by the way. So then, in 1986, that comes out. I did want to mention though that the Watchmen deserves credit for helping push superhero and comic book movies into a more modern realism. Mm-hmm. Like that was a dark story. Yeah. And we referenced something early in the cast too about how Marvel is taking advantage of the soundtrack now. The Watchmen had access to Bob Dylan music. There's Jimi Hendrix music in mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah. You don't get Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix. You don't get that. I mean, that's Forrest Gump music, man. You that's just, right. You don't get that music. Not in a superhero movie. So uh, I, I should mention, too, that Warner produced that. Mm-hmm. Last great DC movie. You think You think the over... So you'll take that over the Batman trilogies? Only because of the same thing that you said. The Batman trilogy got derailed and Christopher Nolan didn't tell the story he set out to tell. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely I would. Can you find that script out there to, to see how that movie was supposed to go? Like, with the with the Joker and what it was supposed nah, to do? No, Nolan's never touched that. I would love to know what that was going to be. I think Nolan's career was slightly set back. I think he had a... He cared for Heath Ledger. Yeah. I think they had developed a relationship there where they were pretty tight, and I think that messed up Nolan for a little while. He he rarely talks about it now. Yeah, I can't recall, and I know his brother uh, has been doing a bunch of producing and things too, like starting to kind of get a name for himself out there uh, as well. So yeah, good power five. I like that. Uh, then uh, next week we'll cover off on some more things. Uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, I should probably actually tweet something. I'm terrible at Twitter. All I would do. Right now, is I would tweet King Shark. 
King <laughs> at King Shart. <laughs> uh, maybe King Shart will now get his own uh, Twitter handle. Uh, I wonder if King Shart already does have. Now, uh, we can't be the first. I wonder if King Shart and BJ are watching the crow <laughs> later. <laughs> we are not. No. Uh, Instagram at No Basement. Uh, that I do shots. Um, I just uh, did one of uh, doing something from what's called the Fox Lounge. Uh, talking about the passage, which is the Mark Paul Gosselaar show on Fox. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that show. And uh, now, by the time that this uh, hits, is uh, pretty much over. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us. Uh, tell your uh, friends, your family, your grandma will love this cast if she loves superheroes. Uh, until next week, another episode.